Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we are joined by avid reader, Allison Punch, who you may know better as Allison Reads DC on Instagram. Allison shares how reading is a part of her work life, why it's important for her to engage with the works of queer authors and authors of color, and a whole lot more. For everything we discuss on today's episode and links to the social media accounts of both The Stacks and Allison, check the link in the show notes. Shopping through that link on Amazon also helps support The Stacks, so it's a win-win. Every other week, I host a virtual book club with listeners of The Stacks, where we discuss the most recent book from the show. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com slash The Stacks. You can be a part of this community, earn other awesome perks, and help make sure we continue to make episodes you love. That's patreon.com slash The Stacks. If you're looking for a personalized book recommendation, you've come to the right place. Our newest segment is called Ask the Stacks. It's where myself and my guests will suggest books to you based on your tastes. Just email askingthestacks at gmail.com and tell us your name, what you're looking for, and a few titles you've loved or maybe not loved. Then tune in to see what we've picked for you. Again, you can email askingthestacks at gmail.com to participate. Last thing, subscribe to The Stacks wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends, tell your book club, tell everybody you know, leave us a rating and a review. It all goes a long way to helping get this show to new audiences and in turn booking awesome guests that you all want to hear from. So please, please, please subscribe, rate, review. Okay, let's get to my conversation with Allison Punch. everybody. We are here today uh, with Allison Punch, who you may know from Bookstagram as Allison Reads DC. But there's much more to this woman who works as a membership specialist in philanthropy. She's the events manager at Old Town Books in Virginia. And of course, Allison is a lover of all things reading. So Allison, welcome to the Stacks. Thanks, Tracy. It's great to be here. I'm so excited. So we so are excited. internet friends. <laughs> we are. <laughs> which is like kind of a crazy thing to be, but you're sitting in my house right now. I so know. now we're... Our, IRL friends. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I, so my name is Allison Punch. I am a, I say reader, writer, bookstagrammer. I work in philanthropy at a membership organization for uh, foundations, basically grant makers of all types and sizes seeking to improve their practice 
to uh, best support nonprofits. And then I also work as the events manager at Old Town Books. So that's kind of my passion project where I get to do really fun uh, bookish events. And we're currently putting on a Emerging Writers Festival. And Tell us about that. When is that? So it'll be the weekend before this podcast oh. comes out. So it's it's already happened. It went so well. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically designed to support people who are emerging writers themselves. So no like no requirement for a level of uh, publishing or that sort of thing. And then um, also connecting readers with emerging writers. So debut novelist, sophomore novelist, that sort of thing. Who are some of the people that were there this past weekend? Oh, this past weekend, we had Catherine Chung, who just put out her second book, The Tenth Muse. Um, we have, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. And by the time He's at the festival. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Kwame Onawachi, the one, the he's the chef and has his oh, yeah. memoir. Um, you went to his restaurant. I've been to his restaurant. Kith and Ken. Kith and Ken. I personally really liked it. It was um, good. I liked it too. And then Tope Falaren, who has his debut novel, A Particular Kind of Black Man. We have Angie Kim, who I know you've had on the show. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, all different types of people. Hannah Bay, who's a S teaching a personal essay writing class. Um, Jennifer Baker, who is the editor of the Everyday People um, short story anthology. She's doing a lot of different um, sessions on pitching to editors, that sort of thing. And how did this thing come to be, this emerging writer? So I met Allie, who's the owner of Old Town Books, through Bookstagram. Okay. I, she came to our meetup last year like around let me think it was last fall and she was like oh you know i'm opening up this bookstore and i said or she someone asked her oh are you hiring anyone and she was like well i think i'm just gonna do like a consultant like i need to hire an events person and i was like i do events which <laughs> i like kind of like i not in my day job but i love doing events i mean she was at an event that i had planned so right. i thought it was a fair um notion to have and so long story short that's how i got connected with her and how i got the job and she had originally said like i really want to do this emerging writers festival it's my five-year plan and then <laughs> this at the beginning of this year she was like, why wait five years? And so we started working on it together. It's kind of her um, brainchild. And I just do a lot of the executing and help her both sort of shoot for the stars and also aim for what's realistic. I love it. So everyone listening now, next year, you want to plan to be at this event. Yes, since exactly. you missed it. Yeah, sorry because, missed it. sorry. But also we should, since we're faking, like it's actually the day this episode's coming out. It's your birthday today, <laughs> but not really. It's her birthday, the day you guys are listening, August 21st. Yes. So, and Allison loves her birthday because and she loves being a Leo. <laughs> We're both Leos, even though she keeps saying that I'm not one. I am one. Wait, I'm you. confused. So it's because they changed the signs. Is no, that what happened? No. Okay. Everybody ready to hear about my birth? I was born on July 22nd, which is the last day of cancer. But I was born very late at night, which means the sun was already in the oh. next sign. So I'm zero degree Leo. My whole life, I thought I was a cancer. And I just thought I had Leo traits because I was on the cusp, like, you know. Right. I mean, and you're then, such a Leo. I'm such a Leo. And then some, when I moved to LA, obviously, someone read my chart and they're like, actually, you're zero degree Leo. And I was like, oh. And what happens is that my moon and my rising are in Aquarius, which is why mm. I have like cancer vibes, I guess. Okay. Because that's like watery or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm also cancer crass. My due date was August 31st, so I was supposed to be whatever comes A after. A Virgo. Thank you, mm -hmm. um, which I'm, I'm not, but 
So yeah, in your face, I'm a Leo. Stop telling people I'm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The reason why I like think of you as a Leo is because of that episode where you had your someone on, and he was like, "Oh yes, Tracy was at my wedding," and Tracy was like, "Thank you, I was. I looked amazing. <laughs> I did look cute. That was the episode with Joseph Papa. Please yeah, go listen. It was um, <laughs> such a Leo energy. Okay, we're going to talk more about your work a little bit, and then we're going to talk about books because I because I know you have great answers to all the questions, so I don't want to spend too much time on you. Not that you're fabulous, not fabulous I, or anything. I am fabulous. You are. We're going to get to all of it. But so you work in philanthropy, you work in giving. It's like nonprofit world. It's helping organizations. How did you get into this, and how is that work? influence like is your reading does that influence at all your work or are those things connected um i so i graduated college in 2014 i worked in politics for like a year i basically i knew i wanted to move to dc i'm from michigan originally i had lived in ann arbor my whole life it's a fantastic place but i was ready to go i knew that I wanted to work in politics basically because I wanted to live in D.C. And I okay. felt like everyone in D.C. has like one campaign experience. Um, so I did too. And I, that's how I, I did political fundraising. So basically, once you start asking people for money as your career, you can just keep getting jobs in it, depending right. on the field. Then I worked in sales, membership sales at a for-profit um it's called DevEx, a media platform for the global development community. And I really liked a lot of things about working there. Um, but I was ready for the next step. And I'm part of this women's network. And I saw a job posting on there for this membership role that is was everything I did with a significant pay raise. So I applied. Check so plus. put your, um, right. Let me just put in the plug for putting your uh, pay. I don't know. What's the term? Compensation? Yeah. Like uh, range on oh. the job description, because that's how we promote pay equity. Um, so that's why I applied. And that's how I got the job. And um I so I had been doing membership, but it was my first time in philanthropy. Got it. Does it influence my reading? I feel like this will come out in my answers later, but I'm such a cock, cocky person. Like I don't like being have, having to do something. So I have all these books about philanthropy that I'm like need to read, like okay. about nonprofit, and like I know that I should read them because everyone in my field is reading them, but I just don't want to. Got it. Even though I'm a reader, I just. I, well, I, I want to, but I just don't prioritize it. So there's like Decolonizing Wealth by Edgar Villanueva. That's a big book in my field right now. I can't wait to read it. I know I would like it. It's like very social justice philanthropy. He's like a gay Native American man. And it just seems like a book that I would really like. But because everyone in my field is reading it, I'm just like, I don't want to read this. That's how I feel about Educated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not in my field, but I feel like everyone's reading it and yeah. loves it. And I'm like, ugh, I hate this book, right. even though I haven't read it. No. I'm sure it's lovely. I but... don't even hate his book. I know I would like it, but I just have to read it. And yeah. I'm like, can I time code my time reading this book? Right. Because Maybe otherwise I don't. This. But we also do a lot of work. Well, my organization and the field of like philanthropy and nonprofit and like every field actually is working a lot on racial equity. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the books that I am interested in are relevant to my job, which is fun when that happens because I don't seek it out because again, I just get annoyed right. doing so. How does your work like your, or how do, how do workplaces like yours engage with texts that have to do with racial equity? Like what does that look like? What's that um, movement towards? I don't know. It's so much. I mean, we, uh, most of our work around racial equity thus far has been on our internal organizational culture. And so it's a lot of like frameworks and talking about books. And I think it's hard because for a long time, I was like the person in the meeting who like cites the book that they've read. And I think that that can be kind of 
annoying. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. I so anyways, well, I like think, know it all or something. Yeah, well, it's like, oh, over intellectualizing. That's it. the term that has been used. And I think but it's like for me, because like, I'm a white person, like that's most of how my understanding about racial equity has come about is through my reading, because I think we have to read like white people, especially especially have to read and like learn through books and engage with those texts. And that's part of doing the work. And so I just, I like, and I also just find it very interesting to read these kinds of books. Um, what was your question? I don't remember such like a, how does your work connect with the text? Well, I think so. For example, one of the things that we have been, my organization has been talking a lot about is community driven philanthropy and evaluation. So both of that is like, how does, how do grant makers connect with the community when they're making their grant making decisions? So not just, you know, someone in their office above Neiman Marcus, because I've been to a funder whose office was like literally above a Neiman Marcus in downtown Chicago with these like gorgeous views. They're like deciding what's best for the, like the South side of Chicago or whatever. So not just that, like not them sitting in their ivory tower making these decisions, but how are they engaging with the community? Why this is hard is because there is a power dynamic between funders and nonprofits, funders and communities. Like they show up and people just need money. So like they don't feel like they can trust the funder. They don't feel understood. Um, I read this book, Eve Ewing's Ghosts in the Schoolyard, and I was like, oh, my God, this is what everyone is talking about, about like engaging the community. And with the evaluation, um, we talk about like how do you evaluate how your grants go? And so let me as a side note, my role is membership recruitment. So I basically work in sales. And so I'm not super engaged in the content. So I really like it when I'm able to read things in my own personal life and they connect with the content because it helps me understand our content better. So she talks a lot about too, about like, what is good data? Like, why do we um, think that these um, surveys are better data than like a mom who's talking about experience of her child? Right. And so that's book is one that just really helped me understand like what we were talking about in my organization because it applied it to a different context. And she's like a genius of so schools. Good. She's like she's so the smart. queen of like school segregation and because and she's other things. a poet. She's just such a good writer. Yeah. Like she, all academics should be poets. Yeah. I feel like most poets write good prose. Yeah. Other way around. Everything. Not true. Mm. <laughs> um, before we talk about your books, you're like kind of, you know, a mover and shaker in the hashtag bookstagram world. Oh, thank you. Um, how did you get into bookstagram? And do you have like goals or things that you think you would like to do with your bookstagram Mm -hmm. account or like where you would like to see the world of bookstagram move or like, why are you still there kind of thing? Great question. So my shout out is to Lupita and Jamise because uh, Lupita reads and spines finds. I just like came across them somehow, I think because I followed local bookstores and they got reposted. So I had been following them for like years, it feels like. And I just loved their content. And I started doing um, book reviews. So, okay, one day I Snapchatted my friend Corinne, like a bookshelf tour, because she asked me to borrow a book. And I sh- I like Snapchatted her my whole entire bookshelf <laughs> and was like, this, you could read this, you could read this, like basically recommending her the books to um, lend, which she might even have them still. I need to get those back. Um, but <laughs> Corinne, she was like, <laughs> we're talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she, she might listen to this episode. Who knows? I think I, I think she gave them back. Um she was like, you should do these videos. Like you should do these. And I, oh, I also was really into booktube, but okay. a lot of booktube was YA at the time. Yeah. So I only watched climb the stacks. Is that her? 
I don't remember. Her name was Ashley and she doesn't even make videos anymore, but I loved her videos. Long story short, I was like, I'm not going to make a book too, but maybe I'll join Bookstagram. So I did that as my New Year's resolution for what year did we start Bookstagram? 2018, right? Yeah, I started 2018. Okay. Yeah. So I started like the end of 2017 because I I wanted, I didn't want to tell people about it until I actually did it for a week or so. Um, And then I started it and then I just... I loved it. I got so into it. Why am I still there? The people. Like, I am kind of at a place now where, like, I want to... Like, I still am engaging with new people, but I've also made such good friends with people. Right. Like, I ha- it's harder to make new friends because there's so many people to keep up with. Um, but people are really great, and it's just really... It's really fun, and I think where I would like to see it go... There's a lot of talk about this sort of thing, but it just still never takes hold. Like, more backlists more, um, you know, thoughtful reviews, like less posts, just like TBR, like da, 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 which I get because when I haven't been reading, I still want to be active on bookstagram. So then I'll post my like, oh, I'm about to start this book. And then all my friends will be like, how is that book? I'm like, I haven't read a single page. I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that I just want more people to be, um, talking thoughtfully about the books that they've read and less about like, oh, this is what a publisher sent me. Um, at the same time, I totally do that. Like, this is what the publisher sent me videos because you have to do that. Right. It's like a mix. You have to have a balance. I used to say that I wanted to hit 10K this year so I could get my swipe up. Congratulations mm. to you on your swipe up, Bob. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of haven't been super aggressive about posting and engaging. And so I don't think I will, but I'm okay with that. It was funny, though, because... <laughs> So any of you who follow me on Bookstagram are familiar with my girlfriend, Bay. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to use her real name because... Because her name is Bay. Yeah, because her name is Bay. On and her also, birth certificate, like, it says Bay. I'm really good at internet creeping, and I feel like anyone who knew her first name who was also good at internet creeping would find her, and she's like more private than me. So anyways, that's why she goes by Bay, and because it's on her birth certificate. Yeah, that's what her mother um, birthed her as. So she was really cute the other day. She was like we've been growing so much and like we've you know she was like for a while i wasn't sure if we were gonna hit 10k this year but like maybe we could and i was like like this isn't your account (laughs) it was just really cute because she's very invested in it and it's adorable but it's like still my account but yeah she obviously i mean that's most of why people follow me is for her because she's so cute it's a combination i don't think mostly but like she adds she adds value oh yeah taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple that's why for the last Three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. 
Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, before we dive into your books, you know, we do the segment, Ask the Stacks, mm. where someone sends in a I'm question. I'm so nervous. You're, you're going to be happy with this question. It, okay. just, it just came in this <laughs> week, too. And I was like, oh, this will be good for Allison. Okay. It comes from Jordan in Virginia. Jordan says, I love the podcast and I'm so happy to have found it. You've helped me reignite my passion for reading again and introduced me to Bookstagram, which I'm eternally grateful for. Shout out, Jordan. And here's what she's asking for. She says, for my book recommendation, I'm looking for books that are nonfiction and focus on any of the following topics, school segregation, issues related to education, abortion slash women's health care, adoption slash foster care, and tribal sovereignty slash Native American civil rights. She says, I generally enjoy books that are nonfiction and interlace facts with stories of real people. Examples of books that I've loved, Burning the House Down by Nell Bernstein, Push Out by Monique Morris, and Missoula by John Krakauer. So those are her books. I will save. I know which book you're going to say, so it's on my list too, but I'll save it. Um, I'll go first. You have a second to think. So I ran with the abortion option. So I ran with Shout Your Abortion, which is edited by Amelia Bonow and Emily Noakes. I've not read this book, but I'm familiar with the hashtag on social media. And this book is a compilation of many women's stories about their abortions and their experience with abortion. So it's kind of like essays or like short stories, but first person narratives about abortion. Uh, the other one is a book that I haven't read yet, but I it's been on my list since it came out last year. It's called A False Report. And it's by T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. And it's the story of a woman who is accused of falsely reporting a rape. And then a journal, the journalists who kind of like dig into the story and expose the truth. So it's kind of about that bullshit narrative that women make up rapes all the time. And it's like kind of exposes that. That's um, what it's about. Yeah, I never wanted to read it because I thought it was because like you thought it was actually about, about women. I know, I know. I thought that too at first, to and then I like heard an interview with one of the authors, and I was like, "Oh, it's actually about how the idea of like false reports are not real." I love it. 
Um, so those are my two. I The other book I have, it's not exactly what you're thinking of, but it's called Heartberries. And it's a memoir. It's teeny tiny. And it's about Native American experience and uh, one person's Native American experience. And I've, I haven't read it either, but I've heard it's amazing, amazing, really good. And it's super short. So that's something else that you may consider checking out if you're interested in a little bit more of a memoir style as opposed to like a true nonfiction. Um, ready, Allison? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so thank you for not saying my book, Tracy, <laughs> um, because I just talked about it. Yeah. Uh, Ghosts in the Schoolyard by Eve L. Ewing is about school segregation in Chicago. And she, well, it's about school closings in Chicago. And she looks at it, um, just, it's such a good book. It's like 190 pages without the citations and sort of thing. So it goes by really quickly. It's beautifully written. I loved it. It was so good. And it's the kind of book that's a deep dive on one specific topic, one specific area of the country, but you learned things and the way you think about things is applicable to like everything you think about. It's so good. Um, I'm just going to go through the list. So adoption, um, Nicole Chung's memoir, yeah. All You Can Ever Know, is so good. It's we did so it on the good. show. We did, it on we the did show. an interview with Nicole. I love Nicole. Nicole once referred to me as her friend. How nice. Um, I died. And um, <laughs> I love her. She's such a lovely person. Um, so abortion, there's a lot of books I can think of. But one book, I'm I'm like currently reading this kind of. I read it for, I read like a third of it and I haven't picked it up for a month or so. But it's called Undivided Rights. And it's a... I thought it was an anthology. I think it's just co-written, but it has it's partially by Loretta Ross and it came out from Haymarket. Um this is a book about the history of women of color organizing for reproductive justice, which is different than reproductive rights and it sort of looks at how like mainstream abortion organization or pro-choice organizations like Planned Parenthood and like all the other ones basically how women of color were the Creation, created these organizations that pushed those organizations to view reproductive justice, which is about not only abortion, but about like access to health care, access to have children. Like, what does it mean to have a right. child? I don't know. I just it's really good. Um, it, it does move slowly, but it's another book that it talks about philanthropy a little bit. So that's me doing work, for, reading for work. Um, <laughs> and I I really like it. And then Native American. I haven't read Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz's book, but she has an Indigenous People's History. Mm. Um, I really want to read that one. And then they actually Beacon. It's by Beacon Press, and they just put out a young readers edition, so um, you could read it with a young person too. <laughs> <laughs> read it with yourself. Read it with a young person, yeah. or just read the young person's edition if you're like on the beach and tired and don't right. want to like heavily heavily engage so great question jordan it sounds like we yes. should be okay friends. you have to report back and tell us what yeah. you think okay we're gonna dive into the stacks questions you know allison listens sometimes allison is one of those people who allegedly hates podcasts but she likes this show so she can stick around i was like joking with someone i was like tracy probably knows whenever i'm like regularly working out because that's when i text you about the show because <laughs> the only time i listen to it is like on the elliptical i just get distracted by my own mind and so it's hard for me to focus on podcasts, but I really love this one. Yay. Thanks. You have to say that because you're here. Um, okay. <laughs> two books you love, one book you hate. Okay. So I wrote down two and then I thought of a third and, Go ahead. um, okay. Thank you. Um, I put, so the mothers by Britt Bennett. Okay. Did you do that on the show? No, but I've read it. Okay. I did really like it. I love it. She's a Michigan alum. So shout out to her. She actually critiques my hometown in like a really like in like three lines in a beautiful way. Um, it's just, to me, that's a perfect novel. It deals with like 
it talks about social issues. I mean, it talks about abortion. So Jordan, yeah. if you want to read a fiction book, that's a great one. It's beautifully written. The characters are so well done. The pacing is perfect. Everything about it is perfect. Like it's really good. It's just perfect. Um, and then I also said No Ashes in the Fire by Darnell Elmore. Mm. This question is so hard because it's there's hard. so many good books. There's so many books. Um, but No Ashes in the Fire, he just won a Lammy. Um, I loved this book. He does such a good job. I love books that talk about someone ta- someone talking about their own life experience, but then contextualizing it really well in like sociopolitical, like history, all of this stuff. And he just does such a good job. And I also really related to it, even though we have like very different um, life experience. He grew up a black gay man in Camden, New Jersey. He talks a lot about like environmental racism in Camden, um, like black masculinity and like the closet. And I just, I love that book. Have you read that book? I haven't, but I have it. It's so good. And then the third bonus book is um, I... This Bridge Called My Back, um, which is an anthology by women of color feminists, basically, that was published, I don't even know. I want to say the 70s or the 80s. I forget. Um, And it's just one of those books that really helps crystallize a lot of my beliefs about the world and about how I need to be approaching my feminism. It is like a classic text for a reason. It's so good. It just, I need to reread it. It was um, really, really good. Okay. And what about what do you hate? Okay. I picked this because I know it's a little controversial. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. And okay. it's very popular. Conversations with Friends by oh, Sally, the Sally Rooney. Rooney. I just, I was like, if I read this at 20, I think I would have loved it. Mm. And that's not to, to I, I say that not to belittle people who liked it who aren't 20 or even people who are 20. Like, I think it's fine that that's for you. It really wasn't for me. I read it because Bay read it and I just have to finish anything she loves and well she didn't love it she gave it like three stars or something she just described it as like very messy but I felt that the writing style like I couldn't even get engaged in the messiness Mm. so I it just wasn't it wasn't for me that's okay yeah you know I'm all pro not liking a book and so I'm I don't mean to offend people who loved it I can see the value you don't have to apologize for your taste (laughs) in books no one cares um what's the last like just great like amaze book you read do you know what I'm gonna say I do okay I feel like a parrot like I feel like you totally like so I'm gonna say blood in the water that's right um by Heather Ann Thompson because I just finished that and who told you to read it Okay, you weren't the first person to tell me but to read it. But who forced everyone in America to read it? <laughs> to read it. And also, I actually felt very honored because I read your copy. And so I felt like I was reading, like, there was additional history and additional meaning. That's true. It's a phenomenal book. It's a phenomenal book. Again, that's Blood in the Water by Heather Ann Thompson. And it's about the Attica prison uprising. And you've heard <laughs> me talk about it only a couple hundred thousand times. It's, and I'm telling you, yeah. even if you think I won't like this, you'll probably really get a lot out of it. And I will say, the only thing I'll say to just warn you is that there's some graphic stuff in the really book graphic that not to say don't read it but just to say it's graphic because I did give it to my brother and was like this book's amazing you'll love it and he called me and he's like what the fuck you didn't tell me you <laughs> talked about how you had dreams I had a dream I had dreams I read it before bed and there was like it's like like racist torture before bed I was like yeah. I can't yeah. go to sleep so it's a lot but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't read it yeah it's, Ugh, yeah. it's so good it's just and if you don't read a lot of nonfiction it you would still like it yeah it, because it yeah. it reads it doesn't read like a novel but it like 
almost does. Yeah. I I will say when I ordered the book, I was like, you know, doing the thing that you do when you're like on Amazon or whatever, and you're like clicking and you're like, oh, this kind of sounds like me. Or like I was looking for another book and I was like, oh, okay, sure. Like it was like on super sale. So I like clicked it. And then when it came, I was like, what? This was 700 <laughs> pages. Like there's no way I'm going to read it. And then like one day randomly, I was like, uh, I guess I'll read that book. Like I'm kind of in the mood for that, I guess. And then obviously I, I read it in four days. I like couldn't oh put it down. It's like 535 or something right. without the site. Without the but notes. you need to read the But citation. when you get yeah. so when you get it and it comes in the it's mail, terrifying. it's like yeah. I thought it was gonna be like two hundred pages. I was no. like, what could you possibly have to say about this oh my event? God, it's such a good book. So good. Okay. Uh what are you reading right now? Okay, so I'm reading Mostly Dead Things by Kristen okay. Arnett. Um, which is that a, just came out. It just came out. It's a debut novel. It is so weird i wouldn't think i would like it if it wasn't queer but because it's queer it really works and it probably would work either way i don't know you can't ask that question because it's very gay um but it's it's like about this woman in florida who her family works at a taxidermy shop and she walks in and her father is there having just committed suicide and so it just talks about like family and like I don't know. It's really good. And then I'm also, I started this morning Pleasure Activism by Adrian mm. Ray Brown. And it's so good so far. Okay. So I'm also, and then as I said, Undivided Rights, that's like unread on the shelf. The other book that I'm reading is When and Where I Enter um, by Paula J. Giddings. That might not be her middle initial. And it's um, uh, like a history of black women's activism. So I have these like two, well now three, because I started Pleasure Activism, like feministy, like sort of thicker text those are both like 400 ish pages and they're good but it's like i just keep putting them down picking up the novel and alternating okay i'm going to ask you this question it's not on the questions and i kind of think i know your answer but i'm interested to hear how you say it yourself you read a lot of books by lgbtq plus folks you read a lot of books by people of color you read what most people would say quote unquote diversely Mm. um which i think is i don't anyways you read books by a lot of different kinds of authors about a lot of different topics why is that important to you? And how do you make sure that you're doing that? Great question. It's important to me because if you look, first of all, like I know what it's like to be a white person. That's the life I live every day. I don't think about it as much because like part of whiteness is it's you're not confronted with it. Right. But it's like, that's how I live my life, right? As a white woman. So it's like, I read to learn more about other people and to learn more about the world. And if I'm only reading people who look like me and have had my life experiences, like, first of all, that's boring. Second of all, I know that. Like, I don't need to learn about Mm -hmm. that. I mean, self-examination is important, but it's like, it's not, it's not teaching me anything new. Um, And also I know how publishing works and like publishing values, like the stories of white people. I mean, historically, I think now there's like, some teeny little strides that are being made but if you still look at like the history of all books ever you look at the history of like even now who which publishing um books like the big five are giving money like publicity budgets to like maybe they're putting out books by people of color but if they're not putting their big publicity books budget behind it those will just go on the shelf and not become a bestseller so all that to say like i think that it's fair to say that like people of color, LGBTQ people as well are still disadvantaged in the publishing industry in terms of like the resources and everything that goes into getting their books in the hands of um, readers. And so for me, as someone who has this like small platform on Bookstagram, I want to be giving a platform or I want to be sort of advocating for others to read more diverse books, um, which again, diverse books, we could talk about that for a whole hour, Right. the title, but, um, or the term, how I do it, honestly, Goodreads, I just like 
I'm obsessed with Goodreads. I'm on it all the time. And I just like look at my, you can click your reading challenge and see an image of all of the books that you've read. And that's, if I look at it and I'm reading too many white people, I'm like, okay, Allison, like you need to recalibrate. Because sometimes like there are really great books by white people. Right. I'm not sure. Have blood in the water. Like that right. one's great. Mostly dead things. That one's great. The cadaver king. Yeah, the, the cadaver king. Death, yes, yeah. Which we're doing next week. Yeah. And so I just like don't and also like the monthly wrap-up suppose that we do on bookstagram um if i have a monthly wrap-up and it's all white people i'm like okay allison like do better so i just like continuously so it's something myself. that you're conscious of yeah like, it's a choice that you're making well i will say like the more you read books by people of color the more you read books by queer people like and i feel like lauren said this on the show or lauren and i have talked about this literary lauren who was like your first guest or something early she on she was early um the more you read those sorts of things, that's just what you like. So it's right. like just what I like. So it's not it's it's not like I'm consciously thinking about it every single day. Like that's what's on my shelves. That's what I like to read. But then it is because white supremacy is like super pervasive. It's really easy to just fall back on like only reading books by white people, especially because there are good ones out there. They are getting, all, again, like a lot of publicity money and right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's really easy to just not be super conscious. So like I both reach for them and then I just sort of check myself by looking at my good right. reads. And as a queer woman, do you feel like an obligation to read books by LGBT people mm. or like to promote them? Or is that something like that you feel like you consciously use your platform for or that you should be or anything like that? Good question. I don't think so. I think I just like those books. I think it's like, I can see a book that, like, mostly dead things, that I'm like, this would not be interesting to me at all. And then I'm like, oh, it's gay? Okay, great. Right. And, like, I then would find it interesting. And I do. Um, I think in terms of, like, obligation, honestly, and sometimes it's the reverse because I feel like bookstagram can be weird <laughs> and, like, tokenizing-y. And, like, you know, people who have never chatted with me before, like, send me, like, oh, you should read this book. You would really like it. or like, mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I wouldn't. Like it is just gay. You know right, what I mean? Like right. if it's like like science fiction, like oh, Right. Right. Maybe. Maybe if my sister told me to read it, but right. if not, no. <laughs> Hi Becky. <laughs> right, right. Okay. I'm just curious because I get those kind of questions a lot as a black woman. Yeah. And so I'm just curious like how you prioritize. Cause for me, like I because what I like to yeah. read is so dominated by white men. Yeah. I sometimes do like make a conscious effort to read something by other authors who aren't white straight cis men yeah i but, make yeah. a conscious effort yeah Sorry, i make an I effort no no it's okay i make an effort but also the flip side is like i want to read what i want to read and if there's a book like blood in the water where it's a non-fiction book retelling of history written by a woman like yeah fuck yeah i'm gonna yeah. grab it but if that book was written by a white guy and there isn't another option i'm probably gonna read the white guy's version of blood in the water and right. probably not like it as much to be honest yeah. but you know, I think, well, and also like as a white gay, like that's really complex because I think a lot of white gays can like use their LGBTQ identity to like pretend like they aren't white, which is like not the case. And so right. I'm much more likely to read a book by a queer person of color because again, I know the white gay experience, like not everything, like just my experience, right. but it's like, I don't know. I don't like reading books by like white gays that fail to examine their whiteness got it do you have any books by white gays that you do really like well i mean i love mostly dead things i really like this one i love so jeanette winterson's the passion is like the book that like 
made me gay like okay. I love it and <laughs> I, so I said for years that she was my favorite writer but then every book I've read by her I like ha- she's like a little weird okay. and so every book I've read by her I haven't connected with as much um I'm sure there are others I just can't think of them what oh, about oh this book I have to say because it's not super popular under this beautiful dome oh my god I'm gonna cry it's the this um, journalist who fell in love with a state senator, mm. these two white women in Illinois. And okay. she was like, this woman, the state senator was like Obama's like mentor when he was in state Senate. And they were in the closet their entire relationship because of their, bo- both because of like journalist politician ethics, right. but also because they were lesbians in right. like the 80s, 90s. Like, and then um, <laughs> she got cancer and died. And it's just like the most sad book, but it was just. I don't know. To me, it's still really important to know my history. Right. And so that book. And then I loved Tinderbox, which you did on the mm. show. Yeah, Tinderbox. Okay, let's go back. Sorry, I got on a, I digress, but I'm very, I'm always very curious about people's identity and yeah. people who read I love books by all it. sorts of people, like what their motivation is and how they kind of reconcile it with popularity and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What's the last really good book you recommended to someone? I have like books that I just always recommend. Mm -hmm. Um, I unapologetic by Charlene Carruthers. That's a book that I've been recommending to a lot of my colleagues because it's basically, and it's, it's interesting because I was so excited to read it and then I read it and I was like, this was fine. You know, this was good. Like it was good, but I was like, I'm not a community. This is how I felt. I was like, I'm not a community organizer. So is this applicable? Like, right. And then I was like, well, of course. So it was this, I keep citing it. I keep talking about it. And so it's basically like she, it's called a black queer feminist or queer black feminist mandate for radical movements. And she basically talks about like how and why to center queer black women in activism and Mm. in like, I mean, racial equity work. Like it's basically if you are addressing that community's needs, you're addressing everyone's needs. And that's not the only thing she says, but she just talks about a lot of that. And I just love her framing. And I recommend that book a lot. Oh, and then the other one is Brown, White, Black by Nish Damara. Mm. I'm obsessed with that book. I recommend it all the time. I think that book, you can totally, everyone in this world, everyone in this world can relate to her writing because she just has so many great things to say. Another book you recommend a lot is White Fragility. Oh, yeah. That, I got that from you, I think. Oh, yeah. That book is, I just gave that to my brother-in-law. Um, it's a really good book. Again, really short and just like so incisive. And she puts a lot of words to things that I think people have experienced, white people specifically have experienced whether or not they know it. I love right. recommending that book. That's a really good one. What's the last or what's a really good book you've received as a gift? Oh, so I haven't read this book yet, but my friend Ruhia is the just one of the best people in the world. And she um, came to my author talk that we hosted at Old Town Books. It was Jane Allison talking about... Um, her book, Meander Spiral Explode. And Ru- and Jane Allison referenced this book, What We See When We Read. Mm-hmm. And Ruhia the following weekend was at the library sale and they were selling it. And she just like mm. thought of me and bought it. That's so nice. I was like, that's so precious. And so I really do want to read it, but I haven't started it yet. You'll get there. Mm-hmm. Do you set reading goals? And if so, what are they? How do you set them, et cetera? Ugh. I like... I was I started this year and I was like I'm not going to because you can get really I can get too competitive with myself yes, and then I too. can just be like trying to speed through things that I'm not getting you know what I want to get out of it right. like I was like I want to read longer books I want to read Blood in the Water I want to read A Little Life still haven't read A, a Little Life and um so I was like I'm gonna set a goal of like 30 books because last year I read like 95 and then 
I read like 30 books and then I upped my Goodreads goal to 90 and <laughs> I'm still ahead of it and I, I have been reading longer books so it's fine but I think I, I'm trying to switch into like quality over quantity mm-hmm. but by nature I'm a fast reader and also I do get stressed out if I haven't finished a book in like a week and a half so yeah, me too. that happens. Okay. Um, how do you organize your books? Um, so I live in a 660 square foot apartment and we have, um, this, these built-in shelves where everything unread is. Mm -hmm. And there's, the top is fiction. The bottom is nonfiction. Well, top is fiction and poetry. Bottom is nonfiction. They are organized by color because like I haven't read them. So I don't need to know. I mean, I know where everything is, but, um, and then I have a bookshelf that is like my shelf bay has her own shelf um that has like her books on it and um it's by genre mostly are there any genres you're not into i try well not very hard but i've been trying a little bit to get into science fiction and fantasy and i think where i'm at is like i need to understand the world right like i need to like kindred is technically right sci-fi but i love it because it's like his, also historical fiction and also deals with issues that I am interested in. And like, also it's a world that I recognize. The only thing that's different is like time travel. Time travel. Right. And then there's like Binti by um, Nnedi Okorafor. And I can't wrap my head around, like there's like these creatures. I'm like, I can't picture like that. too much I can't fiction, picture these creatures. not enough yeah. life. Um, I just read Pet and that one is like, kind of i don't know what genre you would call it science fiction or fantasy or both um but it's in this like utopia kind Mm -hmm. of so i i can do like dystopic utopic i can do magical realism i just really can't do science fiction fantasy that's fair what's the last book you purchased Ooh, wow i have been really well behaved i guess i haven't bought a lot of books oh i think it was this this oh no 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 the last book i purchased was um (laughs) The Wedding Party by Jasmine Gilroy because oh. it just came out and I bought it on Pub Day for Bay. So I can justify buying her books because she won't get mad about the number of unread books I have because I can just buy for her and then read it myself. Have you read Jasmine Gilroy's other two books? Yes. I love her so much. You do? They're so perfect. They're just like such – they just make you so happy. And um, Can they, I put you on the spot? Yes. Will I like them? Hmm. <laughs> this just got really personal. I don't know. Like – have you read – do you like rom-com movies? I love a rom-com I movie. I think you would. I don't know. Like I – it's like a Bay Area interracial couple. Like, Okay. I'm going to try it. I have the wedding date and I now have the wedding party. I don't have the proposal. I think you maybe wouldn't like the proposal. That one right. is like a little bit less strong. Okay. But the wedding date um, is really good. Both of them are great, but I just like – I liked the characters in the proposal more, but the wedding date better. Okay. And The Wedding Party, Bay says it's really good. So I'm going to read it as soon as I'm home. I'm going to try to read them. I know Renee from Book Girl Magic is yes. waiting for me to do this. And it's only been almost a year, it's but so it's going to happen. Okay. What's the last book that made you laugh? Okay. Red, White, and Royal Blue. Mm, another romance. Casey. Yeah. Another romance. It was so cute and perfect. It was so good. And it's about... It's about, oh my God, I, it's, it's the first son of the United States falls in love with the Prince of England. And it's so cute. It's like steamy and funny and cute. And it's like, yeah, I would say for you, Tracy, if you read that and you're bored in the first like 70 pages, keep going because it gets better. Like the first 70 pages are like very like setting the world and it's just like 
Okay. My problem is that I only want to read about Meghan Markle. Do you know what I mean? Well, Jasmine Gilroy's book that's coming out in December, The Royal Holiday, is inspired by Meghan Markle's Perfect. mom. Mm. You would love it. I mean, I haven't read it. I mean, it, I love but, her like, mom, but... So it's about the, like, first, you know, like, the mom of the princess who falls in love. Right. Oh, okay. Okay, great. I'm Sign me up. Like, black mom of the princess. Does she have dreadlocks like Meghan Markle's mom? I don't know. I hope she does because Meghan have, Markle's we'll mom's dreadlocks are, my are like my spirit animal. Yeah. Um, okay. What's the last book that made you cry? Tinderbox. Mm. I I get really emotional when anyone ever anyone like talks about Pulse and he talked about it a lot and I think I cried and describing the fire, I cried. Yeah. That was a major scene. What's the last book that made you angry? Blood in the Water. Okay. Yeah. It's fucking sickening. It's- I'm so mad at the governor, uh, the Nelson Rockefeller yeah. and like everything and the, the US. Like I hate everyone. Yeah. That book's pretty enraging. Uh, what's the last book where you felt like you learned a lot? Oh, um, I would say definitely Blood in the Water. Okay. I feel like that's... Yeah. Yeah. What's a book that brings you joy? So I said Jasmine Gilroy, Red, White, and Royal Blue, and then I... My three favorite poets, I can read them anytime and they make me just feel so calm and good. Mary Oliver. Okay. Um, Arcelise Germay. Okay. I love her poetry. And then Audre Lorde's poetry. Okay. Okay. Are there any books you feel really proud that you've read? Yes. Stamp from the Beginning mm. by Ibram Kendi. Because Ugh. that book is like the beginning part was very challenging because I was like, this is history I'm not familiar with. Yeah. And it's like also just hard to read about emotionally. Um. But I'm so proud that I read that book because I learned a lot and it's long. Me too. That's one I'm definitely proud of. And you're right. I had a really hard time with parts like one through like two. Three. <laughs> yeah. I think three is where I started to hit my stride. It was also because it was more stuff I was familiar with. It was mm-hmm. less exactly. like new information and like it felt like less dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you got to read it, Pete. Oh you got to so read good. it. That It's that and Blood in the Water, like yeah. the two that I'm like, I don't care that they're big books. Pick it up. Read it. Get your life. Yeah. What about any books that you're embarrassed to have read? So I don't know if this is embarrassed, but I also, I used to be proud of having read this. And so I read Infinite Jest. I've spent like a summer reading it when I was first (laughs) getting back into reading in college. And I thought that like I had to read it to be like a reader. And I'm not embarrassed to have read it, but I'm just like, that was a lot of reading time. I could have gotten back for something. Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, did I like it or did I think I had to like it? Right. It's been on my like Goodreads since like 2009. And part of the reason it's still on there is because I don't really know how to take things off my Goodreads. And part of the reason is I'm like, well, maybe one day I'll read it. Um, But it's not really anything that I think of. And whenever I go into my like Goodreads TBR, I'm always like, what is this doing here? I don't want to read this. So I read it. I was like on a study abroad program in Tanzania. And I was like, this is perfect because I can pack this and not have to pack pack a million other books. And I just like, obviously I had to read other books in the middle of reading it. Uh Um, And it was fine. I will say that is a book that taught me how to read footnotes. So it was worthwhile reading because he's just like fucking with you. You have to have two bookmarks and then you flip back and forth. And I had a hardcover from the library for oh some reason. So I was like, it was like a workout. So I was like flipping back and forth. Like I would like flip and read, read a footnote, go back. And then it's like two lines. And then you have to flip back again. <laughs> he had like footnotes in his footnotes. Oh my but God. ever since then, I've read footnotes and they really do help my reading life. I like his shorter oh, stuff. Oh, can you read on um, like, could you have read that on a Kindle? Can you read on a Kindle? Have you ever <sighs> or an e-reader? No, I, I, well, so here's the thing. I have a book buying problem. Okay. 
I want a Kindle so I can read like long books like that on the Metro because mm. I can't read them. Like I can't, it's bad for my back. Right. And also I just got a cute new bag so I can never really carry a heavy book around it. because it wouldn't even fit like a book, a book like that would it probably wouldn't right. fit in my bag right. at this point. Um, so if I had a Kindle, I could do that. The reason why I don't have one is because I own a hundred unread books right. as is. And like, it's like 130, sorry. Yeah. And, um, which isn't as bad as some folks, but I, I'm worse than you. You have a home. I have an apartment. <laughs> like it's, a, uh, I don't know. And so I don't want to get one and then just acquire Kindle books and not read my hard copy. Do you want to know my hack? Okay. This is the hack I've been doing. Well, I don't have a, well, actually that's not true. I just got Ooh. a Kindle. I haven't even turned it on mm. yet, but my best girlfriend, Claire, thank you. She let me borrow her Kindle when we went to Japan. And uh, what I did is I only put books from the library that were books that I physically owned. That's really So smart. I didn't, so I don't have mm. any books. Like I didn't add any books to her Kindle. A, because it's her Kindle, and B, because I didn't need new books. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to read what I had on my trip. I also took four print books. So then I you just – take pictures. No, no, no. So that uh, my husband and I each took two books because okay. I wanted to read right. a print book. But then when I ran out, then I went you to the, the Kindle. Kindle. But it was mm -hmm. books that once I got back, I mm -hmm. knew I could still read them. So it was kind of like a hack to have a Kindle but to not. That's really And smart. the Kindle tells you what page you're on in the book. So you know. No. Yeah. So I also – what was I about to say? Oh, I, I, I one time my brother gave me like a tablet that okay. he had and I never set it up properly. But I wanted to like like thrillers, like mm -hmm. books like that that I don't actually want to own right. um, but I want to read. Right. I wanted to check them out from the library onto my Kindle or like tablet. Yeah. So that's why I got one. Then I never set it up and – it was fine because he like it was like a hand me down. He Got gave it. it to me, but he didn't even want it. So Got it wasn't it. like I was trashing <laughs> his gift. Um, okay. What about uh, a book that you feel embarrassed that you've never read or that you still haven't gotten to? So basically every book. Like okay. I like any classic I have not read. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe one I that I've read half of in school. So there's like women that I'm not interested in a lot of like the male canon as mm -hmm. you can probably tell by some of my reading choices right. but like like jane eyre or uh -huh. um virginia wolf i've read some of virginia wolf but i don't know that i finished them and then there's a lot like other sort of more recent canon like i've never read stone butch blues i've never read um i don't know i i want to read killing the black body mm -hmm. i guess that's not embarrassed but it's like all of the classics oh i've never <laughs> i've never read the seventh harry potter book <laughs> Well, I can beat you. I've never read a single Harry Potter book <laughs> or seen a single Harry Potter movie well, or done a single Harry Potter thing. Well, I know that about you, but I think it is – I was embarrassed for a long time. And If now you've it's read like, the first six, it is a little embarrassing that you haven't read the seven. So but here's the story. Who cares? I started – I didn't like do them as a kid because, again, science fiction fantasy is not my big right, thing. Right, 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 right. But I read books one through four and then – so what happens in four? You don't know because you haven't watched it, but – listeners spoiler alert um no it's at the very beginning there's oh, okay. sports there's a lot of sports they're at got the it. wizard world okay. cup so i was so bored i'm not reading this sports book got it so this sports so book. i said i never read it <laughs> then the summer before i went to college i was like allison you're about to go to college you know you're an adult you need to read, <laughs> and a children's you book. Need to read all of harry potter so i read books one through six and then i got to college having not finished seventh i brought seventh i had it in my like first two dorms I, at this point, I need to reread the whole series to, you know, get to it. But I probably need a Kindle for that because I can't carry them on the Metro. Favorite book from childhood? Holes. Oh, have you seen the film? Yes, it's great. I've never read the book. I've only oh seen my God. the film. It's I cute. 
I love that. That book. cute boy with the curl, the cute little mixed Zero. boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, uh, what a cutie. Yeah. Oh, any favorite books about Michigan? Ooh. Or Ann Arbor specifically, but Michigan oh well, the mo- I mean, well, the mothers is not by about Michigan. No, it is not. There's a brief scene in Michigan. Nice try. <laughs> um, I don't. No, I read a lot of books by people who went to Michigan. Okay. So Jasmine Ward. Got it. Um, Celeste Ng. Yeah. Um, Nicole Dennis Ben has an MPH from Michigan. What's I'm like MPH? 95% sure. A master's of public health. Oh, MPH. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, yes. She <laughs> has a degree in Neil Patrick Harris. And um, yeah, just like so many great people went to Michigan. And um, I mean, Britt Bennett went to Michigan. So I don't know. Uh, I need to read Marlena by Julie Bunton. That's set in the UP, but I haven't. Okay. Any favorite books assigned in school? The Disreputable History of Frankie Landau Banks. Basically, every book I read in school was trash except for my women's lit in high school. I'm like, I'm inter- doing this other interview for a blog that's like about how you become a reader. Oh, yeah, and me so, too. Okay, cool. I haven't started. So you know that. who. Yeah. You, you will have the link. If it goes live when the show, you can put it in the show yeah. notes or something. But so I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, no, I read the disreputable history of Frankie Lando Banks my se- fresh or no, my senior year of high school in my women's lit class. I was taught by my favorite teacher, Miss Andrew Vaughn, um, and it's like a YA book about this like little spunky um, girl who's at boarding school and is like dating an older man. And um, well, I mean, he's like a senior in high school. But oh. at the time, I was dating a boy who was like a couple years older than me, and I just like that book was my feminist click moment. I love, I love it. it. What about a book you would assign if you were a teacher, high school, but if you had something specific in a younger grade? So I feel like every YA book I read could fit in this because I like reading YA books that like address social issues because okay. I like to read books on social issues, but sometimes I just get tired. And so right. YA is very easy to like right. fly through. Um, it's like totally cliche, but I would definitely assign The Hate You Give yeah. or Jason Reynolds' Long Way Down. Mm. I feel like those are both books that um, you could learn a lot from. Okay. A book where you saw yourself reflected back? Frankie Landau Banks. Okay. I, yeah, I love her. I oh. think that she also came out in college. Oh, <laughs> boom shot clock. Yeah. Who would you want to write the book of your life? T. Kira Madden. I don't know who that is. Um, she just put out Long Live the Tribe of Fatherless Girls. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she talks about being, she's queer and biracial and growing up in Florida. And she talks a lot about like that. And so much of it was like, she's a, she's like, a few years older than me so not by much but like her high school is like not soup it's not the exact same time as me but she's a great writer and she writes a lot about like just things that I experienced even though we experienced life very differently all right and then you read a ton so what's a book you'd love to see turned into a movie or tv show okay so I um red white and royal blue Oh, yes. Yeah, Duh, it would be perfect. And I hate like every time a good book, you know, people are like, oh, this should become a film or whatever. But like, I need that to become a movie. Yeah. I also think I just think it's I didn't love this book, but I think it's overdue for when Katie met Cassidy to become a movie. Oh. I feel like it's such like that's what lesbian movies are. Is like, it. So why is it? Why not just make this a lesbian right. movie? And then make some that are like a little bit more diverse or whatever. Got it. Okay, last one. If you could require the current president of the United States to read just one book, he'll understand it, he'll finish it, he'll comprehend it, what would it be? So I I know everyone says this, but like he's not going to read it. He's going to. This is part, part of this is you have to suspend your disbelief. He's going to read it and he's going to understand it and he's going to – he might not take it to heart, but he'll like get the message. So I can only say one. 
Only one. Okay. I would say How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. Ugh. Because Stamped is really, really good. But, yeah, Stamped is too much. Um, But it's, yeah, him. it's much longer. And How to Be an Anti-Racist, he, Ibram Kendi uses the history in Stamped and his personal life experience right. to talk about the, like, definitions of anti-racism. And um, so it's like, this is also helpful for listeners. Like, if you feel very intimidated by Stamped, some of the history in Stamped is also in How to right. Be Anti-Racist. And if you, I think what is also good for the current president is that the author is a black man who talks about his own racist mm-hmm. ideas. And I think that that can be really helpful for white folks who feel like they're being attacked whenever mm-hmm. racism comes up. Mm-hmm. And he really talks about how it's not, you're not a racist. There's mm-hmm. no such thing as a racist or a not racist person. It's all about racist ideas mm-hmm. and actions mm-hmm. and anti-racist yeah. ideas and actions. So I feel like that's a good choice for the president because if we're going to be contingent on the idea that he'll read it and he'll understand it it would be a good thing for him to understand but i want whoever is like our 2020 democratic nominee i want them to read it too yes i mean i think like i don't believe in required reading and i don't believe that books are universal necessarily Mm -hmm. but i think for most people in this moment in america probably could get a good something something out of that book i think that part of the challenge with the president reading that book is that that book sort of um, operates off of the notion that one thinks racism exists. And I don't know that our president. You think our president doesn't think that racism exists? Well, I guess he thinks people are racist against him. So I guess he. Yeah. (laughs) He thinks something exists. (laughs) I don't know. On that note, everybody go get Ibram Kendi's book. It just, it's been out for eight days right now. Eight, eight beautiful days where this book exists in the world. If you don't know about Ibram Kendi, I'm going to link to his social media just because I love him so much and you should find him and read his articles and just like, ugh, what a great human. Um, Allison will be back next week. She and I will be talking about The Cadaver King and the Country Dentist by Radley Balco and Tucker Carrington. Um, It's about medical examiner, coroner, forensic science, wrongful convictions, incarceration, race, poverty. It's It's a greatest hit of all the things that we should be doing better in this country. Um, I don't know if we'll have spoilers next week. It's kind of, you can, there's not really a ton to spoil. If you're on the fence about the book, you'll probably be fine listening. I think it's probably not super spoil, spoilery. If you're on the fence about the book, you should probably read it. It's really good. It goes by pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. Next week, Cadaver King. Allison, thank you for being here. Thank you. And we will see you guys in the stacks. All right. That does it for us today on The Stacks. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you, of course, to Allison Punch for being our guest. Next week, Allison is back to discuss The Cadaver King and the Country Dentist by Radley Balco and Tucker Carrington. Everything we talked about on today's episode can be found in the show notes. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram, at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. Be sure to get your book recommendations read on air by emailing askingthestacks at gmail.com. To join the Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, go to patreon.com slash the Stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please, please, please rate and review this show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite and our theme music comes from Tagiragis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. And I will see you in the Stacks. <laughs>